Hi friends, I'm Tim Whitaker and welcome to the New Evangelicals podcast. The New Evangelicals is an inclusive, Jesus-centered community that holds space for people marginalized by the evangelical church, advocates for accountability in the church, and helps you explore the Christian tradition beyond the basement of evangelical fundamentalism. This podcast is part of that work, so join us as we talk to people from all walks of life, lending their expertise and wisdom to us as we renegotiate our faith and find better paths forward. Hey friends, how we doing? This is a very different maybe format. It's kind of just me monologuing. I wanted to get some of my thoughts out around the He Gets Us campaign. I'm sure by now you've seen a lot of takes. I'm sure you've seen a lot of opinions. And I wanted to offer mine. I've been thinking a lot about it this week. And like most things, there's a lot of layers to this. So if you haven't seen the ad campaign, it probably means you did not watch the Super Bowl, which means you're not a true American. Of course, I'm just kidding. This campaign, it's actually the second time it's happened. It's It started last year, and it was the series of ads that tried to demonstrate that Jesus gets us. And it had polarizing images of people on different sides of certain culture war issues. And the whole take was Jesus gets us, et cetera. And this year, they had a foot washing ad. And the ad showed people like it showed a cop washing the foot of a black person. It showed a clergy person washing the feet of a queer person. It showed a person washing the feet of their mother who was an alcoholic, et cetera. And so this ad premieres on Sunday. And of course, the internet goes crazy. And there's always different perspectives. You have some people in the more conservative evangelical side who are like, oh my gosh, this is way too wimpy. Jesus was all about repentance. And this is not a biblical take on washing feet. And then you had other folks, probably you can say more progressive Christians and others who were like, hey, yeah, these ads are problematic because the people funding them are actually funding some of the same legal cases that are fighting against the rights of the people that they featured in the video. And so I want to kind of present everything that I know about the actual campaign. And then I want to get into some of my thoughts on this. I want to get into some of my critiques around the campaign and also my critiques of the more conservative evangelical take that this wasn't like a biblical enough ad and there wasn't enough repentance. So let's just start here. It is true that the He Gets Us ads are funded by some pretty serious donors. Now, Initially, a year ago, the last Super Bowl, it was funded by the Servant Foundation. This foundation threw a lot of money at this campaign, but this foundation was also throwing a lot of money to groups like the Alliance Defending Freedom. These are groups that are fighting in court consistently for more Christian nationalist, conservative evangelical causes. So for example, Roe v. Wade was overturned because of the case that the ADF brought to the Supreme Court. So the Servant Foundation a year ago is funding these ad campaigns that Jesus gets us and Jesus is all about love, but also secretly, fun, or maybe not so secretly, but is funding these these um, these organizations that are saying like, yes, we have to overturn Roe v. Wade. Yes, we have to stop queer rights from, from, from gaining any more ground, which the ADF was behind some of those cases as well. So you have this, and listen, I mean, we have to be honest, right? It, it, it's kind of par for the course, I think, for in particular evangelical funders and people with a lot of money and organizations that claim to promote Christian values, they would make an ad like this, an ad that on the surface comes across as, oh, that's so nice and yada, 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 while behind the scenes they're actually funding the very culture war issues that so many of us have found so problematic. So 
That group, though, is no longer funding this year's ad campaign. So now we have a separate organization that was created to kind of manage the campaign. And one of the people who sits on the board of that campaign, his name is Mark Green, and he is tied directly to Hobby Lobby. And it's no secret that, again, Hobby Lobby did sponsor some of the ad costs for this event. And Hobby Lobby is one of the organizations, or uh, they're a company, very well known, and they're, they're pretty big. But Hobby Lobby is notorious for taking a case up to the Supreme Court where Obamacare mandated that their healthcare coverage provide contraceptives for their workers. Hobby Lobby said, we think that some of these will induce abortion. And so on religious freedom or on religious conviction, we cannot do that. So Hobby Lobby goes up to the Supreme Court and they win. They actually win the case and they were allowed not to offer contraceptives to their workers, which again, just goes to show like you have this psychotomy because in the in the ad, one of the scenes of the foot washing ceremony was a white woman washing the feet of a young pregnant girl in front of like a Planned Parenthood family planning clinic. So you have this perception that, oh, we really care about the pregnant mother and we're going to wash her feet, but behind the scenes, they won't provide access to contraceptives that would help give women autonomy and control over when they get pregnant, right? So it's very interesting to witness this. So so these ads take place, and then there's another subtext to all this. I I, I want to bring this up now. I'm getting this from Kevin Carnahan. He's a great scholar. He's been on the podcast before. He did a really good TikTok video showing how essentially the people who were washing the feet, now remember in in the foot washing story, Jesus washes the feet of his disciples and calls them clean while he's doing it. So the imagery is that, you know, we as representatives of Jesus have an obligation to wash the feet of other people and it's an act of service, it's an act of humility, but also there's a spiritual element for some evangelicals where they believe that, you know, the symbolism of Jesus washing the feet of the disciples is him making them clean, is him washing away their sin. And in the ad, it's all people who tend to side with the Christian conservative cause, who are washing the feet of people that Christian evangelicals or Christian conservatives, however you want to label it, are enemies of. So it's the clergy person making the queer person clean by washing their feet. It's the cop washing the feet of the black person. It's the it's the person washing the feet of the pregnant person in front of the family planning clinic. There's a, a scene of a cowboy washing the feet of an indigenous person. So the, the subtext of this that Kevin points out is that it's still all about white evangelicals being Christ-like and making clean the people that, 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 that they have been calling, I guess, essentially dirty. It's kind of like the narrative there. So that also, I think, demonstrates just, just the level of that Christian supremacy complex that a lot of us grew up with, including myself, right? Where I have this good news. I have to bring people to Jesus to make them clean, just like me. And in the white evangelical world, this has direct ties, of course, to a legacy of racism and supremacy. So so all this is happening. And then you have the perception. Like, how are people receiving this? You have folks like Ali Stuckey. There's some other accounts that bring this up. And they're like, oh my gosh, this isn't biblical. Jesus, Jesus washed the feet of his disciples without repentance. There is no gospel kind of vibe because the ad in their mind was way too soft. There was no, there was no moment where Jesus tells people to repent and believe the gospel. Some folks even made their own version of this ad 
by having people who converted to Christianity, who were a former insert bad thing here, like it's, you know, former gang member, now a Christian, former witch talking about, I think her name is is Kat, the, the woman with all the tattoos who got saved like recently, former witch, now a Christian. So they, they made like, like their entire, they made their own ad, which is so on brand, right? For evangelicals, like to be like, no, this isn't extreme enough. We're going to make our own thing and call it the real ad. So they, so they did this and it goes viral in that world. And then you have folks like Mark Driscoll is talking about, <laughs> Mark Driscoll tweets, Jesus washed the feet of Judas and Jesus still sent him to hell. And I'm just sitting there like, is, is that the case? Like we know that Jesus sent Judas to hell. In fact, what what makes the foot washing ceremony so powerful is that Jesus washes the feet of the person who was to betray him. He still shows him love and still washes his feet despite knowing that Judas was going to betray him, which is very different than the narrative of, well, Jesus did this and then sent him to hell. Like, it's just a bad take. So it's very fascinating, I would say, watching conservative evangelicals really get up in arms that that these ads are not judgmental enough, right? Like, oh, Jesus didn't call these people to repent. It's not the true gospel. Never mind that Jesus never calls the disciples to repent before he says to start following them. Like, if you actually read some of these accounts, the story is Jesus sees Peter, Jesus sees this person and says, follow me. That's it. No call to repentance. Jesus doesn't call Judas to repent. He still washes his feet. I've been thinking a lot about this, and here's how I kind of see it. One of the reasons why I think these ads miss it is not only the obvious, oh my gosh, imagine spending millions of dollars on an ad campaign trying to promote a Jesus who would probably tell you to use that money to feed the poor or to liberate the oppressed. Like the, I, it, It's not lost on me, the irony of seeing Christians be like, hey, let's spend a million dollars or more to promote a man who told the rich people to sell all their stuff and told the rich young ruler to sell all their uh, all of his possessions and told the rich young man that it's harder for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven than it is for a camel to go through the eye of a needle, essentially saying it's impossible. So that's not lost on me. That's the obvious. That's the low-hanging fruit. Yeah, weird flex, but okay. What is not lost on me is I think that these ads once again demonstrate exactly the problem of evangelicalism. And that problem is that evangelicals seem to have an inability to self-reflect and to publicly repent for the wrong that they've done. And this ad shows that they would rather have a Jesus PR campaign that Jesus does not need, trying to make Jesus more palatable, when we all know the issue is not Jesus. The issue is not Jesus. The issue is that evangelicals for decades for hundreds of years, have used Jesus and used the Bible and used the Christian faith as a weapon of oppression for marginalized groups historically. That's the problem. And so you have this legacy of white evangelicalism in America. And I'm talking, we can go way back. I mean, we can go way back with with white Protestants and and slaveholding all the way up through the 1920s and white Protestants and, and the KKK. We can go through to Jim Crow, to segregation. I mean, all these things that we can see a lineage, we can see a history of white evangelicals consistently being on the wrong side 
in the majority of these issues. Of course, there were always anomalies. We know that. There are anomalies now, right? New evangelicals or other groups that would still maintain a Christian identity that's birthed out of evangelicalism, but it's pushing against the status quo. So I'm not saying every single evangelical, but there's a trend of the majority of the majority of evangelicals always tending to be on the wrong side of major justice issues. And so instead of acknowledging publicly, hey, we are responsible for committing so much harm to the queer community during the AIDS crisis. Yes, Jerry Falwell, the founder of Liberty University, Yes, he did go on the air after 9-11 and blame the abortionists and the feminists and the gays for 9-11. That was wrong. No, 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 no. We can't do that. We can't talk about how Bob Jones, a major evangelical institution still to this day, was staunchly racist and segregationist. In fact, they were so committed to their cause, they sued the IRS for threatening to take away their tax-exempt status. And it went up to the Supreme Court because they insisted that they had a religious liberty and that their faith compelled them to keep the races separate, that interracial dating and marriage was forbidden by God. And we can go all through history. You know, Martin Luther King Jr. being assassinated, white evangelicals despising the work of him, Tim LaHaye, one of the creators of the Left Behind books, staunchly anti-MLK. There's letters about this. So there is this massive legacy, and it continues on today, right? Now we're watching white evangelicals get further embedded with white nationalism. We have the rise of of Christian nationalism, the rise of Trump, the rise of groups like Turning Point USA that are intentionally soliciting the white church in the name of, oh my gosh, we have to stop this evil CRT or Marxist propaganda. We We have to fight against the quote trans agenda. I mean, all this stuff that's currently happening that is done in the name of the funders who fund this stuff. And instead of getting repentance from them, instead of getting an apology, instead of saying we have to own the problems in our tradition, we get ads that try and make Jesus look more palatable when we all know he's not the problem. The problem is that evangelicals aren't following him enough. The problem is that evangelicals have a billion-dollar war chest and are using it to fight against the rights of so many different types of people. In America, and they've been doing this for a long time. We know that there is rampant church abuse that goes unchecked consistently. We've covered so many of these stories. Ravi Zacharias went unchecked for so long. John MacArthur protected two men on his own staff who molested their own children. Articles were written, sources were cited, data was given, and John MacArthur is still hailed today as a faithful gospel preacher. I'm not sure, friends, if many of you know this. Alistair Begg, who's a conservative radio talk show host, in September told a grandmother it was okay for her to attend her grandson's queer wedding. He said, well, as long as you know it's sinful, I think you should go. It will be an act of love. It will surprise them, and it will hopefully help them essentially not believe this stereotype that all Christians are bigots and hateful, et cetera. Alistair Begg gives that advice. Earlier this year, Alistair Begg gets canned by the radio network that syndicates him because what he said was bad. It it, it was capitulating to the LGBTQ plus agenda, okay? So Alistair Begg gets canned, even though he's very orthodox in the sense of a Christian evangelical kind of framework, he he gets canceled, so to speak. And also, he's scheduled to speak at John MacArthur's Shepherds Conference in March, 
John MacArthur gets on the phone with Alistair and says, I think you would be a distraction. Alistair agrees and steps down from attending and participating in the conference. The same John MacArthur who has several stories written about him for protecting two men who molested his own children. That's not the problem in evangelicalism. Alistair Begg is the problem for telling a grandmother it's okay to attend your queer grandson's wedding. How ass-backwards is the evangelical systems and culture that so many of us were birthed in, right? And so we can document all of these stories, so many more. Paul Pressler from the SBC, a major figurehead in the complementarian resurgence of the SBC that, that essentially got rid of ordaining women. It was a huge push in the 70s. Turns out serious accusations that he molested young boys and would, have, and would invite young men to his house to go swimming naked in hot tubs. And people knew about this and they kept quiet. It's all coming out now. Mike Bickle, International House of Prayer. The stories about him are only getting worse. It went from sexual impropriety to now including people who were underage when he was in his mid-20s. The IFB, International Fundamentalist Baptists, have an entire docu-series about them, documenting the abuse and how they would move abusers from one church to another. Uh, you get my point, hopefully. This is a, a, There is so much rot in the evangelical basement. There is so much decay in that basement. And what do evangelicals say? You know what, guys? I, we think Jesus has a PR problem. You know, Jesus is just misunderstood in our culture. We got to let people know that Jesus, and therefore by proxy us, that we're loving and inclusive, but your actions speak so much louder than your words or your mega million dollar ad campaigns ever could. They do. And people, I don't think they're buying it overall, especially folks who were steeped in that world who've come out of it because we know how these systems operate. We know the corruption that goes on inside. And I just wish, I wish showed so desperately that evangelicals would take some accountability, especially considering that they're always the one talking about taking responsibility for your actions. You know, pull yourself up by your own bootstraps. This is America, rah, rah, rah. And they will not own their own harm. It takes years of people begging and yelling and screaming online to get them to even acknowledge that maybe one thing they did back then was maybe possibly not 100%, but possibly problematic. It, it's like pulling teeth to get them to do what they insist people like you and me should be doing. Even the act of repentance, right? I mean, how much, how often for so many of us in our church experience was repentance a part of the Christian walk? We want to have a lifestyle of repentance. And, and by the way, I still have that attitude. I do want to repent from harm I've committed and go the other way. I think repentance is a gift to do better. But yet when it comes to systems and institutions, white evangelicalism seems like it is blind. It is unable to look at itself and say, we have to repent from our own wrongdoing. And maybe that's because evangelicalism is so individualized internally. They can't see systems. I mean, these are the same people who think that systemic racism doesn't exist anymore, right? Or that Christian nationalism isn't that big of a deal. You have your Elisa Childers of the world who are all worried about progressive Christianity and deconstructing people, and they can't even acknowledge the own massive, massive threat coming from their own house as she works with folks like Frank Turek, who's a part of Turning Point USA, saying the craziest stuff. So I just want to kind of get my thoughts out here a little bit and share with you like why I'm so frustrated. Do I think that feet washing is bad or that an ad about washing the feet of others is inherently bad? No. I mean, maybe the how they did it was pretty problematic, but the actual concept I think is quite beautiful. But when it's funded by people 
who are also complicit in so much of the harm that they're trying to show is not really a problem and that Jesus loves people more than, than, than you think and Jesus doesn't hate. Well, maybe he doesn't, but his followers sure do in America. The white evangelical ones, especially the ones who are the loudest. I mean, white evangelicals are so loud when it comes to owning truth and having the gospel and saving souls from the pits of hell. So like, like one of one of the one of the loudest segments of the Jesus people movement are also some of the most complicit people in committing the harm towards the people that they featured in these ads. And that burns me up. That makes me super frustrated. I just wish that evangelicals would be willing to own their shit and repent and turn and go the other way. I don't think they're going to anytime soon. I think that the political landscape has shifted so drastically. Trump has truly pushed the evangelical world so much farther to the right. At one point, I think it was seven out of 10 white evangelicals thought the election was stolen. It was a high number. It might've went down since then. But there is a direct connection between white evangelicalism and Trumpism and all these preliminary voting primaries and stuff like that, right? All the primaries, it's clear. White evangelicals want Trump. They don't want Nikki Haley. They don't want Chris Christie. They want Trump. This is who they want. This is what it is. We have to call it what it is, right? We have to be able to say, guys, stop pretending that like white evangelicals aren't in the tank for one of the most vile, immoral, narcissistic, lying presidents of at least my generation, maybe of all time, I don't feel qualified to make such a statement, but you get my point. So I just really, really hope that evangelicals will turn and repent, but I'm not optimistic. If anything, the data only shows that evangelicalism is morphing more and more into a political category and less and less a theological one. Although there certainly are theologies that undergird all of this, but on on the, the surface level, it's more about uniting around politics more than certain theological claims, although it still comes from, from some broad Christian stream. So I hope that was helpful for you. Hopefully my thoughts were, I don't know, hopefully they're resonating with you. I don't really do monologues on podcasts super often. I decided I would give this a shot because I had so many thoughts in my head and doing a minute and a half video on Instagram or TikTok or a story didn't really seem to capture all of it. So that's my, those are my full thoughts. I would love to hear what you think. You know, you can definitely send me a message and let me know. Maybe I missed something. I, I try to get it all. But yeah, the He Gets Us ads, for me, they're a swing and a miss. They're a swing and a miss. And if evangelicals want to reclaim the name of Jesus or maybe reimagine it and, and give it a better perception than how Christianity is perceived in culture, they can start by just living better. They can start by doing better. They can start by holding their own accountable. They can start by repenting. They can start by having some damn humility. That would be a great start. They can get people like Mark Driscoll out of their spaces like they did with Alistair Begg. Obviously, evangelicals can cancel people whenever they want. So don't give me the line that, oh, well, Mark isn't a part of this world or that world. No, no, no. Mark is still well-platformed in evangelicalism. People still like him. He's tripled his Instagram following over the past year. He's speaking with Turning Point USA. He, He speaks at men's conferences. Don't give me the lie, the nonsense that, oh, well, you know, we can't police who's in and who's out of evangelicalism. If people, if gatekeepers don't want someone in the basement of evangelicalism, they will kick them out. It's happened to you. It's happened to me. It's happened to Rob Bell. It's happened to Alistair Begg. It's trying to happen to Andy Stanley. They will do everything they can. So if they wanted John MacArthur out, they would cut the publishing deal. They would cut the speaking engagements. They would have a mass outcry for accountability, but they don't because that's what they want. (sighs) 
Thanks for listening, friends. Hope you enjoyed this. Again, first time doing a monologue that's this long. Let me know if you like it. Maybe you do, maybe you don't. It's always good to have your feedback. Grateful for all of you. Talk to you later.